This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN. And you're listening to One Night Stand. And you're listening to One Night Stand. One Night Stand. Hey, c'est condition ça qui t'est passé. Just One Night Stand. Avant toute bagaille t'est commencé. One Night Stand. This is One Night Stand. Presented by First Watch, the official breakfast and lunch sponsor of One Night Stand. What up, night fans? It's Friday, November 6th. On today's show, we do a Houston game recap, talk about the very unfortunate running with the law that some of our defense had last week. We do our first watch, fresh take winner, little remaining schedule outlook. We also talk about the gold pants, maybe the biggest news of the weekend. Again, DG for Heisman. Like always, Money Moves Picks, Moves Mailbag, and speaking of, I'm here with... Money Moo, UCF, played their most complete game of the year behind a powerful three-headed rushing attack of Greg the Flash McRae, Otis the Gotus Anderson, and Big Ben Thompson, piling up 353 yards on the ground. A few new faces on the defense had Houston quarterback Clayton Toon well off key for the entire contest. Though struggling a bit in the red zone and having to settle for field goals, the defense really stepped up their game. UCF got its fourth win of the year, 44-21. to 21. <laughs> Dude, Clayton Toon well off key. <laughs> I had to put my hands over my mouth to stop me from laughing and messing you up for the rest of that. Very well done. You keep topping yourself every week. It's it's very entertaining. It's true. He yeah. looks horrible. <laughs> no, I mean, you're right. Um, all right, so let's talk about the game first, and then we'll talk about kind of the elephant in the room. It was never really that close. We were up 23-7 at halftime. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, 328 yards, two touchdowns, still number one overall in FBS, passing yards and touchdowns. Even with a slightly like not crazy week like normal, he only had 328 yards, which is hilarious to say. Um, rushing game was great, and you know the defense really, really, really played well. And you know, four starters out. Uh, I think everyone thought, you know, this like you said last week, this is the second, uh, or no, this was the highest over in like three years, and. I took the over, of course, because I'm public Joe, and Don't. it wasn't even close. Uh, the defense probably pay- played their best game, and you know a lot of new guys stepped up, and I, I-, I like it. Uh, there's a lot of positivity to-, to come from this game. Yeah, I really liked uh, the next man up mentality. I saw a lot of Tatum Bethune, a lot of Jeremiah Jean Baptiste, and... Um, I want to give a special shout-out to who I think really played well above where they have been this year is freshman Corey Thornton. Uh, He was definitely all over the field making plays as we were extremely thin at corner. We did get uh, Devon Wilson back, though, which was big. We did. Not back, but uh, like here or whatever. In. (laughs) We got him in. (laughs) He's, uh, so that was good to active. see. Um, but overall, you know, besides like the last garbage touchdown and then 
kind of a fluke fumble return for a touchdown. We really held them in check like the entire game, which who would honestly like go what? back the last like three years other than like South Carolina State and maybe USF like, last year. Like I can't think of a game where we really just shut a team down like that. Can you? No, I, I mean, it's it, it just so it surprising because mine we, quickly. we were missing so many starters. I mean, it, it, it was really, really surprising. Um, Obarski, AAC Special Teams Player of the Week. Overall, great game from all three phases. I hate to be cliche. So here's something that kind of crossed my mind, though. You know, we talk about, there's obviously the incident, and we'll get into that a little bit later after the game, but it's weird that they didn't suspend them right away. It's almost like, hey, let's see how good the backups are and then make a decision on these guys. And everyone played great. And I, th- I think that shocked everyone. I don't think a single person in Night Nation thought that our defense was going to play even half as well as they did. So really shout out to everyone for stepping it up. And uh, yeah, I definitely, um, you know, a lot, a lot to look forward to for the rest of the season. Is everyone happy that they paid the four ninety nine for ESPN plus for that quality broadcast that we got? What was worse? The camera guy? Or that stupid analyst that kept calling us, oh, the Golden Knights. He did say Golden Knights a lot. I, I, I saw him like catch himself in the second half, though, and he did go back to Knights. However, the camera work, I swear, dude, they like didn't think that anyone could possibly throw the ball like more <laughs> than 10 yards. Seriously, he kept like they were good at first and then. He just couldn't keep up with the passes. I was like, uh, what's going on? And finally, it just zoomed out a bunch, which I guess is better than not seeing wow. it. <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> well, no, I mean, normally you follow the ball, but I think he realized that he just, I don't know, maybe they're like Dolly just couldn't pan fast enough. Maybe he needed some grease or something. I don't know, man. <laughs> grease up the dolly. <laughs> and also, when UCF comes to town, you so, gotta grease up the dolly. Some of the angles were weird too. Like, Normally they have, I think, three like straight-on cameras, like one at the fifty and a couple, like one at each twenty. So, based off the line of scrimmage, you get a pretty like heads straight-up view. And there were a few times where it looked like we were like way deep in our own territory, and we're actually driving with the ball, but the camera angle made it look like we were way. I, I don't know. Everything was kind of weird. Here's another weird thing: How come like Houston didn't? adjust to any of our runs i feel like i mean we pop dude 353 rushing yards like how many times did we just do like a little running back draw and get like 15 20 25 yards there was that uh, right again uh, third and like 28 or something it was third and 18 greg mccray on the handoff everybody thought he'd go down I thought he was going to go out of bounds. I'm like, no, what are you doing? Stay in bounds. Yeah, that one that one defender that had that lucky fumble return, he like quit on the play and like ran out of bounds, and McCray went like right by him to get the first down after. That was awesome effort by him there on a play where everyone thought we were just kind of conceding and, and going to you know punt or kick a field goal or whatever. That's what we do, dude. Don't <laughs> stop. Yeah. It was good to see the run game get going. You know, I – God, we're like so predictable though on offense. 
Like maybe it's just me. <laughs> I don't know if it's just me because I watch a lot of the games, but like, do only our fan base know that every time they line up, like, you know, it's going to be a run up the middle. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, there's nothing and else. Then, no, no counters. Dude, we sweeps, get... reverse, misdirection. It's short pass, short pass, run the middle, deep shot, run the middle, short pass. And can we please, <laughs> for God's sakes, not do that stupid Hescock little two yard out? It doesn't work. It could, I've it never could work. seen it work. It could work. I've never seen it work. They try at least two times a game, and one. The first time it's always incomplete. The second time it's like a gain of one or loss of one. <laughs> hey, it you makes gotta, absolutely no sense. You got to establish the cock. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I don't know. He gets. I'd paid rather the big another bucks. run up the middle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about how about the the gold pants. We've tried these once before, and they looked awful. That was the uh, the game where Tristan Hill had the rushing touchdown and spiked it. Because I just remember, like, <laughs> this is big, fat, gold legs spiking the ball. And I was like, this is the worst uniform combo ever. Um, it did remind me of, like, the gold jerseys from the Texas game. It looked... It was, so the, it was like that color gold on the pants. With the white uniforms and the, the black numbers, it looked like, you know, Dante Culpepper era, which was cool. The one thing I didn't like, so I liked them overall, it's just like the, the, the shades of gold were different uh, from the helmet to the... Like, the helmet didn't match the drapes or whatever. The helmet didn't match the pants. But uh, I, I, th- I thought they looked good. What'd you think? I think they were all right. I don't know. I like to see some black... Like but in the, in the fabric. Well, the numbers are black, but yeah, I get what you're saying. In the combo, like don't like have a black helmet, jersey, or pant. Oh, black helmets with the white and the gold pants might have looked cool. I don't know. It was a classic like throwback look. Can't really complain. Um, let's do our first watch fresh take winner. Who won this week, Moo? Uh, well, I didn't go through the, in, I didn't go through the Instagram. Oh, all right. Uh, so what answers. was it? I'll, I'll do it right now. But I'm going to assume that no one guessed what I predicted, which was Ryan O'Keefe, a 32 yard bomb. Which of course, I had Ryan O'Keefe as a 26 yard strike. Oh, I'm going through them right now. Let me see. I think there was close to 65 entries on Twitter. Nah, no one even guessed O'Keefe on Instagram. Money Moo! Fresh winner. take winner of the week. Money Moo. Congrats, dude. dude. Two, two out of three. Had Harris on the first week. That was a winner. Well, I mean, you didn't get the tiebreaker, though. This is like an outright winner. Outright winner. So, just because I'm a nice guy, I'm going to... Donate my $25 first watch gift card back into the pool for next week. So we have $50 of first watch up for grabs. Doubling down, two for me. I'm probably going to win this coming week as well. (laughs) I wonder if there was lines. I wonder what O'Keefe would have been for first touchdown score. Probably at least like 
1,500? 15, 15 to 1. Oh, oh you think more? 15, I don't know. I mean, he's probably... Like how many touchdowns did he have before the, so, before the game? One? Two? Uh, something like that. But you got to think, like, name the people more likely to score yeah. touchdowns in him. I mean, you got to go Otis... Extremely more likely. Otis McCray, Jay Flash, Marlon, Harris probably. Yeah. Dylan, rushing touchdown. So when yeah, you're so you like know eight when you're eighth people. in line, you're probably at least a twelve to fifteen to one. Good pick, Moo. Wish I was a betting man. <laughs> um. All right, I guess we got to do this now. Let's talk about last week, the Antoine Collier incident. Uh, I guess I'll just go first with all my thoughts. Um. So you guys know what happened? Well, first, you know, oh, good. Well, maybe people don't know what happened. I don't okay. know. Maybe just so recap. Um. They got pulled over. The cops said they were street racing, running a bunch of red lights. This is on campus. UCF police said this. There's body cam footage of the whole thing. Um, They asked if Collier had any weapons or drugs in the car, and he said, yeah, I have a gun. And it turns out, one, he didn't even have a driver's license, and two, he didn't have a concealed weapons permit, which you have to have to have a gun that's loaded in the car within access. Also, in the passenger seat was... Eric Mitchell, who had two guns, both of them registered, and he had a concealed weapons permit. There was also a couple other guys in the back seat. Collier got arrested. Everything else was fine. And then showing up to the scene, I guess who some guys in the other car were Kenny Tunier and Randy Charlton, and A-Rob was there, and... I mean, you guys can watch the video. I'm not going to speculate what happened or who said what. But Tunye and Charlton, I guess, mouthed off. And they were both kicked off the team as well as Collier and Mitchell for having guns on campus, which is obviously illegal and not the smartest thing. So, yeah, so they didn't, the four of them didn't travel to the game. And then it uh, a couple days ago, it it was released that they were dismissed from the team. So a couple things here. Uh, you know, there's been rumors of a possibly not good culture going around the locker room, whatever. And in my opinion, it seems like dismissing these guys from the team is a, is a kind of a power grab by the coaches to be like, Hey, we're putting our foot down, get your stuff together, I guess. And, I I you can agree with it, disagree with it, whatever. I personally I disagree. I don't think it's good to kind of send these guys packing, especially if there was already a culture problem. You know, they're they're kind of being the scapegoats maybe for, for the coaches here. I would have suspended them for the rest of the year and enacted like a strict zero tolerance guns anything with the law policy. Um but I don't think it's the right thing to to kind of send these guys packing. Uh, but that's just me, and I'm not justifying their behavior or anything like that. But hey, look at look at other programs that they deal with. I mean, there's always every year there's you know someone hit a woman, someone got in a fight, someone shot someone, someone stole a laptop or something. I mean, look at the 06 Gators. They had almost every violent crime possible happen to that one national championship team. I think in the grand scheme of the grand scheme of things i mean these kids are dumb they're driving around with guns you know they probably 
grew up in an environment where that was normal. It's Florida. It's not that crazy. And, you know, they were out late before the travel day to Houston. Again, all dumb stuff, but to me, it just kind of paints a bigger picture among or around the, uh, I guess, the culture of the team. And I don't know. I'm a big second chance guy, and it's not like they, they hurt anyone. I mean, who wasn't dumb in college? Well, I, I don't know. I would disagree with you there because the fact that they were out, um, they had the potential to, you know, in this post-COVID world, they had the potential to infect all of their teammates. And what they really did was they put the entire football program and the season on the line. That's I didn't even think of it from that angle. That's a very very fair point. Uh, but I think it could be different if it was pre-COVID. You that, know, that's not fair. saying that anything that they did was right or that no. it should be dismissible. But no, they, I think that good. When you talk about the entire football program, I mean, what if? I hate saying this, but, and it shouldn't make a difference, but, you know, what if we were undefeated right now? It's a huge difference. Would they have still, would they have still gone out and put the entire team, team season in jeopardy like that? So I, I think the answer to that is no, but we have two losses and everyone knows it. We're not really playing for much and that doesn't make it good or bad, but it definitely changes the there, – there's more to, I guess, the, the fact that being out, um, or there could have been, the, the situation is definitely a huge factor. Because, look, you're right. If we were undefeated, I'd be like, F- it, kick these guys off. This is bullshit. But I don't think that would have happened. Oh, I can't say that. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I would have I said – But you say that we're not playing for much. Well, if we're not playing for much, then why would any of the guys opt in and play? If well, they didn't well, think we they were, were playing for much, any of them could just be like, oh, well, I'm going to opt out. I don't feel comfortable COVID. Well, we were before we lost to Tulsa. No, I'm saying, well, I'm saying, yeah, even after the two losses, don't you think anyone else on the team could just be like, oh, yeah, COVID, I don't feel comfortable now. Yeah, but you don't, be a, you don't want to be a quitter to your teammates, like publicly. But I think, you know, doing stuff like this is obviously doesn't set a good example. I don't know. There's no, there's no right or wrong answer or take or anything on all this. My the biggest thing to me though, and I think I kind of got away from this in, in my little speech, was that is that these young men, you know, I don't know where they come from or whatever, but I just hate the fact that we kicked them to the streets. But regardless. I really just hope, you know, this is a wake up call for them and they, they get their stuff together. They end up in other programs that take them in and welcome them like brothers and everyone ends up being okay because they have so much talent and I would just hate to see it all wasted, you know, because we kind of kicked them to the street. That's that's kind of my main thing. Is like I for those of you that are new, here's my kind of priorities. Number one, I'm always a player's first guy. I want what's best for these guys. If you want to transfer, whatever. Just don't bash UCF. That's the two exceptions are destroying and uh, Ja Reed who sued us for some putting him on a poster or something. 
Besides that, do what you got to do is best for you and your family. Second is the program. And that's it. I mean, I feel for these guys. I just hate that they, you know, they made a mistake and uh, we kind of kicked them to the street. But, you know, got to set an example. I don't know. Then there's no right or wrong. That's just my opinion. And that's my opinion, too. I think it was a healthy discussion. Yeah. For once, we disagree on something, <laughs> which is good for debate. Embrace it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but um, all around, I think it's a terrible situation. Do I think that, you know, any of these guys are are bad? No, I just, I think they got caught up in a bad decision. It was poor decision making. We've all made poor decisions before, but unfortunately, when you're in the spotlight, like a prominent student athlete, unfortunately, you're you're just not allowed to make mistakes like that. So, well, the thing is, it's not just. It wasn't just a. I made a bad decision, like. In the moment, I mean, they made a conscious decision to, go out, break curfew, and carry guns on them. Which look. It doesn't matter if it's normal in Florida or where you're from or anything. When you're a football player, you don't, you can't do that. Whether you can justify it or not, you you can't. And, you know, I, I think overall, again, I just think that was there's a bad culture and they're the scapegoats for this because this ain't the first time they rode around with guns. There's no way. I mean, let's be real. So we'll just leave it at that. I mean, it is what it is. It's over and we got to move on from it. And, uh, you know, wish the, wish those guys the best. That's all I can say. All right. Uh, so, rest of the schedule, let's do some betting lines. What do the projected lines look like, Moo? Got a bye week? I think I think we're safe on the bye week. bye week. I think we're safe on the bye week. However, the power rankings do change for us on a bye week because teams that we played play other people you know, vice versa, so on and so on. So there's a lot of calculations that go into these power rankings. First thing I wanted to talk about was, so we'll give you a a sneak preview every Sunday. I do these on Twitter. Follow me at MoneyMooUCF. Had a couple people very concerned as to why I still thought that we would be favored against Cincy. So first, next week, Temple, we should be favored by 27. That's what the computers are saying. I think the line should be close to that. Now, Cincinnati, currently they have us as a one and a half point favorite, UCF minus 1.5. Now, how could you think that? Cincinnati is 6 and 0. We're 4 and 2. Cincinnati is the number six team in the country, and we're not in the top 25. How in the world could UCF? be favored over Cincinnati because we're actually a lot better than our record I think right that's part of it it's also record setting offense it's a record setting offense and even though I have some egg on my face in the last few weeks of talking about how overrated Cincinnati is I had to eat my words a little bit after that SMU loss however I still think Cincinnati is overrated. Not as much as I thought the last couple weeks. But record does not always indicate strength. So let me give you an example. 
Oklahoma right now is the best two-loss team in the power ring, so ranked number seven, ahead of Florida, seven and zero BYU, and five and zero Cincinnati. So it all just depends on who you play, what the margin of victory is, and the margin above expectation. That's also key. So, for instance, like UCF being minus two against Houston, I think it went to minus three, and then we win by 23 points. So that means we did Uh, 20 points better than expectation. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. It's the same thing as the other way where we're minus 21 against Tulsa, and then we lose by eight. That's like a crushing (laughs) defeat to – the power ranks because you were supposed to win by 21 right right but you lost by eight that, so, that makes sense thank you for explaining that to everyone i mean it's still a little it could still be a little fuzzy to people yeah but it's a learning process i think that so cincinnati right now they're minus 13 and a half against houston this weekend so if they win by 13 or 14 i do believe the line should be UCF minus one and a half or UCF minus two where the value comes in is if UCF is actually not favored next week or the week after and say UCF is like a plus five or plus six that's when you ring the register and it becomes a money move pick there's no way that we're a favorite against a top five or six Cincinnati team I don't think we would be my gut feeling is I think we're going to be like plus three or plus four. But if Cincinnati only, it depends on if Cincinnati beat, how much Cincinnati beats Houston by. So we'll determine that after. We got to get through Temple. Yeah. And they got to get through Houston and ECU. So a lot of football to be played, definitely. Um, but thanks for a little insight into our schedule outlook. Um, well, I mean, is it time? <laughs> well, let's do it. I mean, while we're on the subject of gambling lines, it's time for our favorite segment, Money Moves. Picks of the week. Only one and one last week. However, the win was a big one. One one with UCF. We are now 6-0 and all time when picking... UCF. Thank you to everyone who follows my picks. So I went back. This is obviously season three of this podcast, and I don't usually give out UCF as a big pick only because we're usually always favored by a bunch. And we don't always (laughs) we don't always cover the spread. But when I do pick UCF, we are now six and oh. Twenty eighteen was the first year I started picking USF game. We covered and the Memphis game we covered. (laughs) Yeah. Those games were totally not close either. (laughs) 2019. I had three slam dunks with FAU easy winner, Stanford easy winner. And then Marshall in the bowl game was my other easy winner. And then this year, the sixth win of the six and oh was the Houston Minus two and a half or three was never, ever in contention. So besides when they ran that fumble back, that was like the only time I was like, uh, after that, it was just straight, smooth 
Wait. Smooth, smooth sailing. sailing. Smooth. All right. So what do we got this week? Uh Oh, yeah. And then I forgot to mention I lost with Kansas State last week. That was horrible. It wasn't even close. Pick them again. <laughs> I, dude, it's bad. Like, I didn't know what to do. Oklahoma State and Kansas State played this week. And, like, those are my two are favorite teams to bet on. The go-to moves. Um. So anyway, season total now uh, I am seven seven and one. I will continue to try and do better, but I got three solid picks this week. So the first one I sent this out on Twitter because it is a Friday night game, just in case we don't get this podcast out in time, or you don't or listen you to it in time, <laughs> or you could be listening to this on Sunday and just realizing how dumb of a pick this is, <laughs> or maybe a good one. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, we're going to take BYU minus three and a half against Boise State. So last week, I don't know if you remember, but I asked you who in the hell has actually has a good defense in college football. Well, it turns out I found one. BYU only give it up 13 points a game. Now, this is the first time that Boise State has been a home underdog, I think, in the last like 12 years. Now, that could be one of two things. One, they're pretty decent. And two, no one actually good or no one good actually wants to go play Boise in Boise. So take that both are true. Take that. Take that how you want it. Uh, It's going to be really hard to stop BYU quarterback Zach Wilson and the rushing attack of BYU. So those are my keys to the game. Put your money on the Storm and Mormons. Minus three and a half. Hey, soaking it up. Uh, Zach Wilson, probably going to be a top five draft pick, though, by the way. And he's beating Dylan Gabriel right now in the Heisman fan vote. Make sure you vote. Just go to my Twitter timeline. I retweet it every day. Vote for him and uh, go to us for the Paul Horn or something uh, utility player award. Paul Horning. <laughs> Paul Horny sucker. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Be. BYU minus three and a half. All right, what's next? All right, the next one. This could be the death of me. And I know you're going to laugh, but we're going to take Rutgers plus 38 against Ohio State. Now, UCF fans, you will see a somewhat familiar face at quarterback for Rutgers. It's phenom backup Noah Vedral. He's really lighting it up this year for Rutgers. Even had a crazy upset win over Michigan State, their first in how many ever years. So last year, Rutgers lost to Ohio State fifty-six to twenty-one. That is only thirty. That is only thirty-five points. Oh, okay. So thirty-eight is just few too many now that they have Bedrill. I love. I'm so. I'm so glad. You know. People forget he transferred to Nebraska, was a backup, and now transferred again to Rutgers. Rutgers head coach for the second time, Greg Schiano, who was actually Danny White's first choice over Scott Frost in 2016. People forget. I don't, wow. though. Yeah, pretty crazy. He turned that down to stay at ESPN. Or, yeah, that's what he was doing, not losing with the Bucks. Anyway. Uh, I think we turned out all right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Ohio State just Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields 
is definitely lighting it up. But he will be bored by halftime. And, of course, they'll be looking ahead next week to Powerhouse Maryland. So take the Scarlet Knights to cover in this one. I'm thinking like a 49-17, which is still a winner. <laughs> so Rutgers. Well, I'm doing plus, I'm doing finger math. <laughs> Rutgers plus 38. All right. And what's your last pick? The last pick, we're going to take Arkansas plus two against the Tennessee Volunteers. Woo! Pick suey. Arkansas. 5-0 and oh against the spread on the season. Moo, pick suey. <laughs> everyone's favorite former Florida Gator, Felipe Franks, leading the charge as he's now transferred to Arkansas to lead the Hogs. Oh, nice. Tennessee, a complete dumpster fire. After a quick 2-0 and oh start, they've dropped three straight. And honestly, if they lose this game here... I only see one other win on their schedule. They play a ranked team every other game. Their only other game that they might win is Vanderbilt. So, I mean, they might be trying hard, but their quarterback sucks. Jared Quarantano. Quarantano. I don't know. Damn. It's horrible. Tennessee. So they were 2-0, and and everyone's like, oh, Tennessee's back. And bah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, now they're going to run, run into the Franks riding the hog. Love anyway, it. so I didn't mean to do this, but the Rutgers game and this game is at 7.30 on Saturday night to go along with Clemson and Notre Dame, which is in 4K, by the way. Um, so I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I need to buy like three TVs <laughs> I got to two. watch them all got, at the same time. I got two. The two for Moon in my <laughs> living room. <laughs> but... uh. Let's just do it. Let's bet on Felipe Franks. Plus two, Arkansas, Pig Suey. Send it, baby. Let's recap the picks. Going to take BYU, the Stormin' Mormons, minus three and a half. Rutgers, plus 38. And Arkansas, plus two. Let's Let's get get that that money. money. All right, last up, we've got Moo's Mailbag. First question from Adam Tara. Was Josh Heupel's dismissal of four defensive starters for disciplinary reasons the most significant off-field move in his head coaching career? Well, I mean, I can't think of another one, so I assume. Look, it's never easy to be a head coach and have to like make this decision. I'm sure it wasn't only... Heupel's decision either I'm sure Danny and um, Shannon Shannon and you know it, it's just not an easy decision I, I don't know that's a tough question well all right so it obviously is so well no I mean most significant off-field move in his head coaching career I mean I think the recruitment of Dylan Gabriel off-field move I don't know I kind of I guess I interpreted the question differently. There's been a lot of off-field stuff. I guess really (laughs) recruiting anyone would be really the only thing I can think of. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Great question, though. All right. This next question is from Greg Fisher. What's the likely path for getting to the AAC championship? 
All right. You know, one good thing about the American Conference is we're always at the top of the little drop-down thingy. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Like, even on the ESPN app, it's very, very easy to find us. Um, all right. Three and two in the conference. Houston and SMU play each other. I don't know. We need Cincinnati to lose like their next two games. Yeah, and then we get the tiebreaker. But honestly, at this point, I'd rather see Cincinnati win and we've got a top five matchup in the bounce house. Yeah, I would kind of say that too. Because there's like 10 things that need to happen for us to even have a shot at the AAC championship. And they're all probably not going to happen. So I think it's just better. Well, Tulsa, Tulsa needs three losses. So no, one no. of them could be... Tulsa could be the number one. I think we'll just assume that because we've lost to them. And they're ahead of us. Why we, wouldn't you assume that Cincy was one? Because oh, we, can still, be we can still beat them and have the tiebreaker. The problem with Tulsa is that if we're tied with the team that we've lost to, we lose the tiebreaker. So we, we, yeah. we just want to give them the one. Tulsa went out. And it really doesn't look that bad after that. Well, Memphis actually only has two conference losses. Maybe a COVID outbreak could sprinkle in some uh, some hope for I us. Know. I don't know, man. We'll just take it one game at a time, I guess. Yeah. You know, I think that pretty much what I'm hoping for this season, like control the controllables, beat USF, and then beat Cincy, get an get an beat Cincy, get an interesting bowl game. Uh, I've seen a couple of bowl projections that... Ooh, good segue. I don't know, are kind of intriguing. You know, a little Birmingham Bowl against Ole Miss, the lane train. Oh, uh, and plus, we've got a, a couple former coaches there. Lebby's the OC. Kevin Smith, running backs coach. One of the UCF GOATs. That's what I'm saying. Could be so. You know, we got to find some some positives out of this. I think that could be cool. That would be a fun uh, matchup. I would go to that. Plus, uh, well, Doctor usually like the day after Christmas in Birmingham. Oh, <laughs> all right. Can we zoom into like <laughs> maybe a little yeah. virtual fans? Uh, so Doc- anyway, Doctor Thad not- Rivers. By the way, he's kind of like a front office guy in athletics for a while. He's also at Ole Miss. So shout out to him. Real good dude. There you go. And also my bo- my boss's alma mater. So that would be a All right, I'm let's great let's go. Let's go to Birmingham. The other one I saw that interested me was the Cure Bowl against Appalachian State. Now a lot of you may be saying, "Oh, the Cure Bowl, like a lot of bad memories." Um, but anyway, correct? <laughs> It would be in Orlando, and I've always said that I wanted to play Appalachian State. Uh, just got back from North Carolina, was in Boone, uh, hometown of Appalachian State. Actually, a pretty cool little campus. Um, so anyway, I think that would be an interesting matchup as well as another top group of five program. So, you know, I mean. Yeah, it's not that bad. And, you know, oh. you can't go wrong with the Orlando bowl game, you know. Hometown bowl game, especially if it's App State. Like, it's a I fun matchup. People, it's a fun matchup. People didn't really get up for Arkansas State. You know, who actually went to Arkansas State besides my mom? Well, I mean, who went to Appalachian <laughs> State? <laughs> yeah, but at least people talk about them. Yeah, it's true. They beat Michigan that one time, like twenty yeah. years ago. <laughs> 
That's like their version of USF being number two, except this is actually a win. Uh, all right, next question. Wow, we really got derailed there. This one's from Money Moo. Why are you now 0-8 in fantasy? <laughs> Seven likes. That actually got... Most liked question. Yeah. All right, seriously, next up. No, they want to know. I don't know why, because when I was Dude, like... that's so bad. Well, all right, you want to know exactly why? Chris Godwin and Michael Thomas were, and Kenny Galladay were like my first three picks, and they've played a combined like, one game. So, Oof. yeah, I pretty much just quit. Uh, <laughs> it's actually kind of relieving. I'm only like focused on two fantasy teams. Anyway, question from MD Knight 2016. Say UCF ends this year with the best offense in NCAA history. Does that 100% eliminate KZ from getting meaningful playing time in 2021? Uh, I don't think the first part of your question really matters to right? the second part. <laughs> um, my opinion, you know, I just think that I think KZ's meaningful playing time is as much as I want it to happen, it, it just... It's an incredible comeback story, and I love KZ. But you want to? I want what's best for KZ. Well, I mean, just like you said earlier, that you're a pro player guy. Pro player guy. Yeah, I just don't think he's going to see meaningful playing time at UCF. Now, could could he transfer somewhere? Could he, you know? just be in a backup role to kind of stay within the program because we all know he's going to be our coach one day. It's like a, a known fact. Oh, it's I, can't wait. I can't wait. The clipboard statue, man. After he, <laughs> after he leads us to the 2032 national championship. Is that enough time? Oh, that's plenty. Yeah. Maybe 2028. Dude, he might be like an NFL coach by then. Oh man. Nah, no way. <laughs> he's got to come back and, you know, I still think if nothing had happened, I mean, we we would have went on like a 30, who knows, game win streak. I mean, and I think we finally would have made the playoff and maybe won it. So I think he's got unfinished business for life. To answer the question, though, for Casey to get meaningful playing time, there's only one way that happens, and I don't want to talk about it. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you get what I'm saying. <laughs> Next Next question. Next question. <laughs> All right, you're up. All right, this one's from Fear the Pegasus. Will UCF run the table, end up in the AAC title game, win it, and to what bowl, and will they end the season ranked? Whoa, that's a lot of All right, questions. I got, I got this. All one. Uh, Yes, no, no, because not applicable. Birmingham, maybe. <laughs> So you think we will run the table? Uh, yeah, that's three games. Temple, Cincy, Cincy USO. USO. Yeah. I think if we win those three games, we should be... We'll be ranked. At least top 20. When we beat Cincinnati, we will 100% be in the top 25. I think. I mean, that would be, what, a four-game, oh, five-game win sure, streak? Yeah. Plus yeah, a yeah, top yeah, yeah. top six, the biggest upset in bounce house history? Kind of, even though it, it won't be that much of an upset, like point spread right. wise, but ranking wise, definitely. I wonder what is the biggest upset. Well, 
we haven't really been underdogs that much at home. I think we beat like number twenty five Houston or something once at home. Oh, actually, you know, nope. They were they were actually like thirteen or fourteen. This was in oh, it was number fifteen Houston. Case Keenum. Hey. Long time NFL backup. Oh, dude, it was only Houston minus four and a half. That's what I'm saying. Like, so ranking wise, big, but thanks. So, what was the biggest? What was the biggest? I mean, we haven't really been. We're never really home underdogs. Yeah, I mean, we were huge dogs, and dude, if I rattled off some of the point spreads we were in 2015, (laughs) that was bad. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't cover any. The one we covered, I bet, was the last time I bet against us. I think Tulane wasn't Tulane the only one we covered that year. That's the one, yeah. Yeah. Hey. So anyway, so you think we're gonna go to the Birmingham Bowl? I hope so. Got my eyes on the prize right now. I think that's our only shot, really, at playing a Power Five team. I think just because of the way the bowls are, if we don't make the Birmingham Bowl, we're probably gonna go to you know St. Pete, Boca Raton, or the Cure Bowl. Which is fine for me. I mean, yeah, it's fun. I, I like Florida Bulls. I've been to a bunch of them. It's been a minute since we've been to the Bitcoin Bowl or whatever it is. I have the Gasparilla Bowl, I guess now, or I have no idea. Yeah, 2014 was the last time against NC State. We I had, believe. What were we were there like three out of four years or something? I was like, dude, we yeah. can't keep doing this. But now that it's, was it's, Jacoby Brissett like picking us apart. It's been the enough first time. time. The first time against Rutgers, Mohamed Sanu like had two hundred yards receiving against us. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Good times. So Yeah, anyway, let's let's look forward to. A lot to look forward to. Alright, so you got anything else? It's a uh, bye week. I'll be watching Clemson and Notre Dame. I love in the four K, man. I don't know if you have you got the four K games? I don't even know what that is. It's some it's kind like, of TV setting, right? I have a brand new, like sixty-two like inch Samsung. I don't know how to times, change. Dude, it's like four times better than HD. It took me. I might have to come over for this, dude. It took me dude, like wild. Man. Remember, I mean, it took it took us two weeks to figure out the podcast setup. You think I can change my TV to four K? <laughs> <laughs> well, this thing just like pops up on the screen. It's like, oh, this is being broadcast in four K. Would you like to switch? Like duh. Oh whoa. So then, I sw- so then I switched it and I was like, oh my god. Like so every week there's one game, one or two televised nationally in 4K, because I mean it's probably pretty expensive. So last week I actually watched the entire second half of Alabama Mississippi State, even though it was like thirty to nothing or something stupid, just because it looked that good. Wow. Wait, how could it be that expensive? Just let like set up a bunch of iPhones and record, right? Those are 4K. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. So this week, you got Notre Dame Clemson on NBC is going to be 4K. And then I think the Thursday night game is on. You don't have Xfinity, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got rid of that crap. Well, that yeah, should, the so association the green, got rid of Green it. Bay and San Francisco. That's on 4K. And then, oh yeah, oh wow, oh no, there's a lot of them. <laughs> Money move, dude. It's 4K all day, baby. Arizona State, USC, yo, Houston, Cincinnati. All right, I'm coming Baylor, over. Iowa State. I'm coming over. 
Let's go. 4K? I don't... How, how much clearer could it be? Like, it's already pretty clear. Dude, it's not... Is that the thing where, like, the people kind of move different? No, uh, it's like the auto motion. Oh. I don't really understand Because that's annoying, that. yeah. Because, like, you watch TV <laughs> shows, and it's like, it doesn't look like a TV show. It just looks like they're there with, like, a cheap video camera. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was a 20-minute discussion about 4K. 4K. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Leave us a review on iTunes. Tell a friend. Phone a friend. Oh, what? Uh, I forgot the dude who won the first watch gift card the first week, but he still hasn't DM'd me. I'm telling you, what do people not like free food or something? I don't know. More for us. <laughs> I mean, we need to put like an expiration date on the claim here. We're putting it back in the pile. Or you could just DM him. I could, but <laughs> I, mean, I feel like. I feel like if they want something, they should DM me. I guess you're kind of right. You should probably just DM me. Probably should. (laughs) Anyway. um, Hey, guys. Guess what? We can't lose this week. (laughs) Go Knights. Go Knights. Go Knights. Charge on. (laughs) Dude, whatever. It's a bye week. We got nothing to talk about. Yeah. Domination. Domination.